The following content has been rated for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised. Well, I'm not an expert. I'm not an authority. I'm someone who has been a murderer for almost 20 years. Maybe I should have killed four or five hundred people, then I would have felt better. People say Ted Bundy didn't show any emotion. There must be something in that. I showed emotion. You know what people said? See, you really can't get violent and angry. Welcome to The Squonk and the Hag, a podcast about murder, mystery, the supernatural, and even a conspiracy or two. Dun, dun, dun. My name is Mo. And I'm Kraken. Welcome on in, guys, to another episode of The Squonk and the Hag. We have returned for more trauma. Yay. Yeah, you like the trauma. I mean, the stories are interesting, so fair. Yeah. You haven't quit yet. Yet. <laughs> but uh, before we hop into the story, we do have an announcement that I guess is exciting. I don't know. Do you think it's exciting? I mean, yes, it's new things. Of course, it's exciting. Yeah. We're on TikTok. We have a talk. Or Wait, is that what you call them? Like the, the actual like what is what is a video on TikTok called? I'm going to keep it real with you, Chief. I don't have a TikTok account. I just get showed the TikToks from Bobo, so I don't know what it's called. Me too. Me too. But basically, Bobo is my TikTok. Same. Uh, but yes, so we have started a TikTok account. We are also on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. And uh, I... This week tried something new and posted some Instagram I posted an Instagram reel for the release uh, with a little clip of the episode so this was the bone breaker killer mm-hmm. episode is the one we're talking about because that's what we released today the day that we were recording it released but so we're always we're always behind when we record even though we're ahead we're behind but we're ahead we're, we're somewhere in time with recording are we though I have no idea where we are. You have a point. Fair enough. But yeah, so that's exciting. Um, We're going to try to get more content and stuff up there. Uh, For now, it's going to be, you know, releases, short clips. uh, Maybe uh, I know Bobo's been on my case to save out bloopers. So I got to remember to do Mm -hmm. that. (laughs) The best content is the content that doesn't make it into the episodes. Not always, but yeah. Yeah. Um... Oh, yeah, you have a point, yeah. Yeah, some of the stuff I edit out is just bad. It's like, we'll be sitting here talking, and we're like, that was just, yeah, make sure you, yeah. hmm mm-hmm. But anyways, yes, so that is our news for the week. And then it's a motel. What did Mo find this week to, ta- to traumatize Krakow with? Well, part of it took place about an hour or so from where you live great yeah so um the story starts elsewhere um you know through childhood moved around yada yada but ended up in south carolina no thanks someone else can have him <laughs> but politely yes. decline. <laughs> politely decline. Uh, so this week we are going to be talking about a really interesting story. I heard this one maybe a year or two ago on I think it might have been either Crime Junkie or Anatomy and Murder. I can't remember which one, but I I was like shocked at the story, so immediately like put it on the list and. I finally got around to doing it, and it's actually, I was very surprised. There, There's a lot of news articles out there. I was able to find um, some official documentation and all that kind of stuff, but I didn't see a lot of, like, the, the big, uh, like, true crime mm-hmm. outlets cover this story, which I thought was interesting, because it's a crazy one. We love the crazy ones. That's why I'm here. We do love the crazy ones, but we're going to start in southern U.S., but not South Carolina. We're going to start in beautiful, sunny Fort Lauderdale, Florida. 
So Fort Lauderdale, if you are not aware, is known for beautiful beaches. They have boating canals, luxury hotels, beautiful resorts and the crystal blue pools. Um, it's a, it's basically a city perfect for travelers. It's picturesque. It's entertaining. And on March 7th of 1971, Regina and William Sampsell welcomed their son Todd into that beautiful city. Two years later, the couple got divorced and Regina got custody of Todd. And then just one year later, she got married again and she married Carl Kolhep. That was a little quick. Yeah, it it was a little. um, But, you know, I don't judge. Maybe they fell in love and... Yeah, no. uh, Carl actually legally adopted Todd in 1976, changing Todd's last name from Samsell to Colehep. However, Todd did not get along with his stepfather, and repeatedly, from basically the time his parents divorced, made it known that he wanted to be with his dad in Arizona. I feel like that made things worse if you don't like someone and they happen to be your stepdad and then they adopt you and you have to take their last name. Mm-hmm. I feel like that yeah. makes it a little worse. Yeah, so um, I think it, like, I, I have, my brother and sister are technically my half-brother and half-sister. They were from my mom's first marriage. And I, like, they kept their last names, but, like, my dad, like, raised them. So my, when my parents met, my brother was maybe three or four and my sister was eight or nine or something like that fair enough so uh, but you know my dad raised them take took care of them yeah um all that stuff and like that that's that's their dad Uh, but um yeah i don't know i don't know uh how that all works like with legal like i didn't change my name when i got married so i don't know I, that that kind of that's a that's above my pay grade. Yeah, same. I have no clue. Funny papers and in go burger. That right there is the uh, synopsis of this podcast. I have no clue. <laughs> I have no clue. It's all above my pay grade. I don't know. So Todd's aggressive behavior started super early in his life. At the age of four, he was aggressive towards the other children at nursery school. Both in, like, behavior, very aggressive, very uh, confrontational and stuff, but he was also destructive of their property at age four. (laughs) Hashtag built different. Uh, So throughout his whole childhood, he exhibited emotional and mental instability. He would destroy stuff in his room with a hammer. He was even thrown out of the Boy Scouts for being disruptive. Okay, listen, but like if you have like some older Hot Wheels cars that you, you like you want to weather and like you just, you know, pop them with a hammer a few times, you know, and you just, then you've got DIY Mad Max vehicles. Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't weathering them. He wasn't weathering them. He was flat out destroying things. Like he was breaking things till they were unfixable. So maybe I should call Bobo and have her have you checked in somewhere just to be safe. You act like Bobo is not being destructive with me. Okay, fair. (laughs) So at age nine, uh, he actually started counseling and had a short stay at a mental institution. While under their care, he was diagnosed with ADHD and a possible oppositional defiant disorder, which is shortened to ODD. And this is a behavioral disorder, including a frequent and ongoing pattern of anger, irritability, arguing and defiance towards parents and other authority figures. It was said by the doctors at the facility, um, said that he was explosive and I'll remind you age nine obsessed with sexual content I so I have several questions yes 
How did that start and why? I don't know. Um, and then I'm going to add in another. So we already have a tumultuous childhood, a very unhappy childhood. I don't know if his father or stepfather was abusive, but it did sound like, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, uh, parenting, you know. Yeah. It was a little more physical, you know, spankings and stuff like that. But I don't know if it was just that or if it was actual physical abuse. Um, we have that. And then it came to light that he was cruel to animals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this one really, you know, it always upsets me when there's cruelty to animals. But one of the things that kind of made me sick to my stomach when I read it, and I'm sorry for bringing this into public but uh i mean uh, not it, it's in public but bringing it onto the podcast he poured bleach into a fish bowl and killed the fish no no yeah yeah like it was a fishy what did that fishy ever do to you the fishy did nothing wrong why i know he was a little fishy that that brings up a point that it might be considered a rabbit hole but talking about the cruelty to animals thing i know we've we've brought up before or i have mentioned from the cryptid tales and stuff things that came from the website 4chan that we've said don't let's just not go there mm -hmm. um with with how the people are in on that website you know a little different mm-hmm I don't know how you'd want to describe that, but... Built different, for sure, yeah. Yeah, but not not my kind of built different, but... Um, There's lots of ways to be built differently. The one good thing about that website, though, is I don't... I don't it's not something you would want to look into because it deals with mm -hmm. the cruelty to animals thing, so... Yeah. Um, apparently, there was a documentary that was made on the website because since that site doesn't really have any rules or regulations mm -hmm. as to what you can and can't post... Obviously, people are going to post horrible things there. Mm -hmm. um, anytime anything gets posted of cruelty to animals to that website, usually it ends with everyone on that website coming together to track this person down in some random way. Like mm -hmm. I've seen, I've seen um, where they've tracked people down with by mapping. Like, okay, so these are the trees in the background. They only grow in this location. So oh I see the contrails God. from the planes in the sky in the background. That plane flew over about this time at this location. They pinpoint it down just using odd stuff like that. Oh, wow. Um, I don't know if this is the documentary you were talking about because I've never watched it. I was told not to watch it because knowing me, but there's one called Don't Fuck With Cats. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because this sounded... this. I wasn't sure if 4chan was part of that or not, but supposedly yeah. it is a very, very good documentary uh i just because i've heard it is too but like i i don't want to see it yeah um i have so obviously i have true crime friends um but they told me that i would not do well watching it so i haven't but they also yeah, said no. it was very well done um so there's that i'm just glad they're able to track people down like that that easily just from yeah. like I see you have a piece of granite four inches wide and three inches thick on your table. This tells me you're in this location. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy what people can, like, I mean, that's that's basically the level of forensic investigation, you know, just looking around to find visual clues and stuff like that. But yeah, it's, it's fascinating. It, it is. So then uh, at age 12... His mother finally granted his wish and sent him to live with his biological father in Tempe, Arizona. Uh, from, I, I didn't see a lot of exact reasons. Like, was there a specific trigger that finally did it? Or was it just, like, just years of stuff piled up and then finally, I, I just can't deal with this anymore. Go live with your father. But he was 12 when he went to live with his dad. Probably that last one. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. So the two of them had a shared interest in firearms and explosives. 
However... Even his past, I don't think that's a good thing to get him into. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, but Todd's, like, dream world, living with his father, came crushing down when he found out that his father was actually more preoccupied or gone uh, with girlfriends and dating, romantic relationships and things like that. So his dad wasn't around much. And, you know, he went out there thinking that him and his dad were going to be best pals and they were going to be together all the time. And like we're going to we're going to go out here and it's just going to be it's going to be uh, the man cave. And this led him to realize that he wanted to go back to his mom. Fair enough. Well, it was another blow in what I would call tumultuous childhood that she didn't want him back. Oh, yeah. She's like, oh, nope, no, you, you, you went out there. Sorry. Bye. So on November 25th of 1986, Todd is 15 and he decides to abduct a 14 year old girl. That's that's not how that works. No. Yeah, well, he used a 22 caliber revolver and threatened her with it and then brought her back home. Once home, he tied her up, he taped her mouth shut, and then he sexually assaulted her. That's even more not how these things work. No. Well, it gets... I don't want to say weird, because I am glad that she, you know got through all this and everything but afterward he walked her home like like two kids on a date or something like that he just walked her home and let her go which is great I am very glad that yeah. she was released but before he did that he threatened to kill her entire family if she told anyone maybe he was just like yeah this this won't backfire in any way at all well, I mean, he is a 15-year-old kid. 15-year-olds don't necessarily have the understanding and life experience to know how these things usually go. Speaking to speaking now, to someone who like has the mentality of a toddler, yes, I can agree. Yeah. Um, I wish he had had the uh, ability to realize what he did was horrifyingly terrible. Uh, yeah. But luckily, she didn't listen. She told, she told her, I believe her parents, but she, she let that cat out of the bag very quickly Good. and Todd was arrested. Good. Uh, he was charged. Yes. He was charged with kidnapping, sexual assault, and committing a dangerous crime to a minor. As part of a plea deal, he pled guilty to the kidnapping to have the other charges dropped, but he was still added to the sex offenders registry. So he was only convicted of kidnapping. And the judge in the case said, this is a quote, that he was behaviorally and emotionally dangerous. He was sentenced to 15 years in prison. And I know that I didn't put it in here, but his defense attorneys were like, oh, don't worry. You know, he's a kid. He's learned. He'll never do this again. Uh, but that's when the judge is like, yeah. I believe there are numerous cases of, quote, kids doing horrible things. I don't think that's a good excuse anymore. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So while he was in prison, he was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. And this disorder includes self-image issues, difficulty managing emotions, uh, usually characterized with a lot of unstable relationships, and often engaging in dangerous behaviors. So these behaviors vary. You know, some people cut themselves, some people will go skydiving, or they'll, they'll do like very, very potentially dangerous things, whether it be physically or anything like that. They just go, they want that thrill of the danger. So 
uh, they will engage in a variety of things that are dangerous, but it's not like if you have this disorder, you run into a wall head first or something like that. Like, it, it varies from person to person. So this disorder often begins in early adulthood. So your, your teenage years and your late teens and things like that. And uh, adverse life events, such as your parents splitting up and then you know, moving across the country and then finding out your mom doesn't want you back, uh, definitely play a role in its development. Yeah, that, that'll do it. Yeah, it is uncurable. A lot of mental diseases are speaking from experience, but it can be treated with various psychotherapies like uh, CBT, which is kind of typical therapy that you think of where you, you know, talk through your problems. They help you go through and deal with things, cope with things, get stuff out uh, and emotionally, uh, you know, support you. And then there's also uh, DBT, which basically the two hand in hand are often used to treat this disorder and dbt is actually um i've heard a lot of things where it's like most people should probably try it because it's a lot of like life skills and coping skills and like it apparently is really good for helping professionals and stuff like that i've i've never experienced it so i can't give you a first-hand account but a lot of times they will be treated with cbt and dbt and then also with medications that help lessen some of the symptoms and things like that uh but Mm -hmm. it is still it's one of those things that is very hard to continue living with etc um so it's not like I I'd, i'd actually never heard of those two things before so that was new yeah I, uh, I am in CBT, like, so I, I I do have weekly therapy where it is, it's actually mostly just coping skills because I've, um, I've been sick all my life, so it's just me learning to deal with it, and right now she has the joy of listening to me talk about my fear of flying. Fair enough. While he was incarcerated, it was also recorded that he has an above-average IQ of 118. And he not only got his high school diploma, but he was able to earn his bachelor's degree in computer science from Central Arizona College before he was released. He was released in August of 2001 after serving 14 years of his 15-year sentence. So... He he could have possibly done good things if he has the above average IQ and then got his uh, bachelor's degree and all of this. Like, well, why it didn't have to be like this? Uh, he actually went on to get a second bachelor's degree after this as well. Fair enough. Yeah, like he he's a smart guy. Um, it, it just wait, but after his release. He moved to South Carolina, Cracko! Yay! So then in 2006, in addition to his second BA, he got his real estate license and a private pilot's license. Yeah, um... Letting that sink in. Do do you think that maybe they should have prevented him from... Like, the real estate license is one thing, but do you think they maybe should, you know, say for the things you were in jail for, maybe we shouldn't have a a pilot's license? Maybe you shouldn't be given an aircraft? Well, oddly enough, legally, it's harder to get his real estate license than the pilot license. I saw multiple accounts so i don't know which one is true some places said he lied about the felony charge to get his real estate license and others said he had to explain it and they still gave it to him so i don't know which one's true but that's i would just imagine it would be even harder for someone like him to get those two things if they could even get those two things at all yeah yeah um Unless they felt that he had been fully rehabilitated and he was fine, then it's a little different. But... Yeah, I mean, he was a minor when it happened and all that, so I I don't know. 
I, I really don't know. That also begs the question of how does like in this case miners that go to prison the like if your brain is still developing, what's the difference if you if your brain develops while you're in prison versus outside of prison? I imagine that also messes with things too. Yeah, yeah, because you are now some people. Um, have benefited from the structure of the prison system. You know, you get up at this time, you do this thing, you do that thing, you eat lunch, you do this thing, you go to bed. And that routine and that structure is... So you're saying to fix my sleep schedule, I need to go to prison? Maybe. (laughs) But no, some people um, with their their personalities, their, their... you know, mental state and all that stuff do much better from a rigid thing. That's also, um, there are are people who enter the military in the same way that that structure is good for them while other people, that structure is terrible. Well, the only thing I can imagine now is just you and I both at your therapist's office and just being like, you me just sitting in the corner playing with the Peppa Pig phone, and you're just like, I've tried everything. I don't know what to do. And the therapist is just like, well, I've heard everything. Have you considered prison? <laughs> yes, many times I have considered. I mean, what? <laughs> Fair enough. So in 2014, he purchased 95 acres of land near Woodruff, South Carolina. I didn't... Usually I, like, look at a map to see, like, whereabouts that is. I forgot with this one. Bro, I live here and I ain't familiar with where that's at, so, I mean... Sometimes I wonder if you know where the town you live in is at. Funny enough, that's probably about the only thing I know. On August 31st of 2016, 30-year-old Kayla Brown and her boyfriend, 32-year-old Charles Carver, went missing after being hired to remove brush from one of his properties. Colehap's properties. That's not suspicious at all. I wonder what happened. So, the community rallied, uh, you know, their people were trying to find them, police were trying to find them. And then on November 3rd, so this is three months, uh, a little over two months later, Police were finally able to track down the last known location of the couple's cell phones. And it was on Culhep's 95-acre property. Also, another thing. I'm guessing it's from the real estate license and the pilot's license. I'm guessing he had saved up enough money. But 95 acres is a lot of land, and that's like a lot of money. From the accounts that I heard, he was a very well-known and successful businessman. I would believe he, it, buying 95 acres yeah. of land, yeah. Yes, yes. That's so like more his than I've ever seen estate, for sale. Yeah, his, his real estate business was really good. He was known in the community. Um, he was... It's like, there... I. And I have it a little bit later. There are mixed accounts about him, but it seems like clients and customers and people he was trying to, like, work with to make money, etc., that he was very, like, I don't want to say charming, but, you know what I mean? Like, he he was a good people person. He was, Hmm. you know, like... He could wrap people around his fingers. He was manipulative, etc. Yeah, not everybody felt that way. Yeah. So, police now get to the property and start searching. They have warrants. They have um, as much info as they can. And they find a large metal storage container. Like, you would... um, If you think about, like, in movies and stuff like that, where you see, like, the, the ship... The ones on the ships, those metal... Oh, yeah, the massive shipping containers. Yeah, it's, um, it was something like that. And they heard banging inside. So they... And there actually is... I saw footage of the police crew cutting open the doors. They had, um, you know, 
crowbars and um, ro- I want to call it a rotary cutter. That's not what it is, but it's like the the hand thingy with the spinny blade. Um, um <sighs> an angle grinder? Maybe I don't know. It cut through metal. I probably got that wrong, but yeah, that thing—the big spinny wheel with the big yeah, with goes the burr. handles. It's like burr. with the handle yeah. and the room, yeah, and yeah. So they cut through the door and then they pried it open with a crowbar, and inside they found Kayla. She had a chain padlocked around her neck, very similar to a dog or wild animal. And then there was, uh, it's more like a, like a police shackle around her ankle. So it's yeah. like the ankle sized, uh, handcuffs around her ankle. And, uh, she was alive. She, she was alive. Well, that's good. Um, and like, I, I did include a picture in the notes and everything like that. Like she had books and food and things, but she was a prisoner inside this container. Police also found Carver's vehicle on the property, but it was down in a ravine and covered with brush to cover it up. I wonder who did that. Hmm. Also, um, you probably will mention at some point how long he was in this container, but... If this was in the summer, that that's like it gets hot. And that's a metal container and it's completely closed. She went missing August 31st and she was found November 3rd. So it was a little over 2 months. It was at the very tail end. At least it was toward the yeah, end of summer. Yeah, it was at the tail summer. end of summer yeah. into the fall. Uh but uh, I don't know how, exactly how it is down there. I mean, I've been down south during this time, but... I mean, end of August, 1st of September, is, is it's still kind of hot, but, like, it's nowhere near, like, July, middle of August. Yeah, but does it get cold at night? It kind of varies. Like, closer to December, like, yeah, it can get, like, extremely cold. Because I'm, you know, I'm up north, so... F- you know, to me, yeah. September nights start getting chilly. October, raw chilly. Yeah, it, it gets cold. Like, it doesn't really get very cold here until like closer to the middle end of September. Like the first part of September is usually pretty warm, kind of comfy. But okay, okay, I gotcha. Um. Also, and until I heard the shipping container and I saw the the photo that you included, I think I do remember hearing something about this now that it's being brought back up. I think I remember them talking about the storage container thing. Yeah, I had a feeling that even though you don't know the story and you didn't know the guy's name offhand, yeah. you probably, it would have been local news down there. Because um, I, yeah. from what I've seen, I so like I said, I don't know exact location, like where these cities are exactly, but apparently it was all over the state of South Carolina. So, um, I, I feel like you probably would have seen something about it. Yeah. This was one of those, uh, like top news stories at the time Mm -hmm. around when it was happening. Yeah, exactly. But like you said, I don't remember much of the story if any, but I just vaguely remember someone being found in a large storage container. Yeah. That's something that kind of sticks in your mind. I would think. Yeah. That's kind of something you don't really forget. So Kayla told the police that during her captivity, she was repeatedly sexually assaulted by Cole Hepp, and she actually watched as he shot and killed Charles. No. Yeah. And some, again, I got mixed information when I was re, uh, researching why he killed Charles. Um, one thing said that he uh, Kayla said that he did it because he was mad at her. Uh, I don't know. First of all, maybe that's what she was told, but I believe he would have killed no matter what, especially as we continue with the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, in addition to that, 
so that she would quote unquote behave, he showed her the graves of his victims to scare her, including Charles's. I have a feeling the whole watching a murder would be enough, but you know. So the three graves that he showed her, one, as I said, belonged to Charles. And then the other two were for a married couple that went missing in December of 2015. So not quite a year before. Uh, police exhumed the graves and the couple was identified as Johnny and Megan Coxie. Like I said, they went dis- they disappeared in December of 2015 and they had also been hired to clean up property that Cole had owned. Johnny died of a gunshot wound to the abdomen and uh, it was estimated that Megan died a week later, a week or so later, from a gunshot wound to the head. And then they were just buried on the property. Yeah, it seems like that's always the outcome. So, Colehep was arrested and the investigation began to uncover the very odd behaviors of this well-known, successful businessman in the area. Like I said, uh, mixed accounts came in. Customers said he was outgoing and professional, but other people said he was angry and condescending. And then this one kind of struck me, like, how bad must this have been he would frequent a local waffle house so i don't know how often if it was like once a week every couple days every day but his behavior and comments to the waitress were so disturbing and so distressing that from that though there was a point and from that point on only male employees would take his orders i mean so at, at this point, with that being a Waffle House, it kind of probably would have been better if he had just, you know, said something to the wrong waiter and then the Waffle House staff could have just took care of it because they're built different. <laughs> this is true. But I can't imagine because like you're thinking you're in a restaurant, you are in public, people can hear what you are saying. And these people are just trying to serve you your food like. Mm hmm. Yeah. They're trying to take care of you. Yeah, well, I guess from from what I could infer, they were basically borderline sexual harassment. Or actually, not even borderline. They were sexual harassment. And finally, the guys at the restaurant were like, no, no. Only I'm, dudes are waiting on this dude. I'm, I'm surprised that Waffle House didn't take care of it then because, it, you know, they, they seem like the kind of place to not tolerate that at all. Like... Yeah, but their waffles are so good, man. Yeah. I love Waffle House. I wish there was one closer. Like, the closest one is, like, half an hour away. And it's really hard for me to convince Chris to drive half an hour for Waffle House. Not me bragging about the Waffle House about five, ten minutes away. Just another thing on the reasons of why you're annoying. (laughs) That's fair. So, Cole Hep. I'm just gonna take my waffles and just. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Shut up! I don't know. Uh, I have a box of blueberry egos in the fr- freezer. I'll I'll go make waffle after we're done recording. You let me know how that is compared to Waffle House. That was that was low, Krakow. But this is a completely um, offshoot. I am incapable of making a single frozen waffle. It always has to be two. You always have to fill both slots in the toaster. Do people actually just make a single waffle? I don't know of anyone who just uses a single side of the toaster. Like, I, yeah, you're right. I didn't even think about it, but I've always made two. Yeah, like the only thing that I make a single of is a bagel because you cut it in half and you put one half in each side. But two pieces of toast two waffles I mean if you have technically could you argue that if if you have I know it's half but like if you don't put it back together and make like a sandwich with the bagel do you not technically have two bagels because then you still have two things that you could put in the toaster instead of one so I mean 
you do make a very fine point. Now, I am a huge fan of a bacon, egg, and cheese bagel. So what I will do is I will toast the bagel, and then I will put uh, a fried egg, some bacon, and some cheese in it, and nom it that way. So then it does go back to one. Yeah, that sounds really good. It is really good. Fair enough. <laughs> Might have to go make that instead of waffles. Anyway, um... <laughs> Well, also, okay, okay. So it is the most unhealthiest thing you can possibly do, but it's delicious. I will go and I will fry the bacon in the pan and then remove the bacon, strain it on paper towels, and then add like a big chunk of butter into it and fry the eggs in butter and bacon fat. Oh, yes. Egg, eggs and bacon grease just hit different. Yeah, I, will, I don't do it every time because I don't want to have a heart attack yet. But, oh, it's so good. Listen, I cook everything in lard, so, I mean, it'll probably be fine. Okay, fair. You're, you're, you're from down south. Uh, so, <laughs> raining it back in. Actually, no, wait, one more thing. Um, if anyone listening here does have anything to weigh in on the waffle question of, do you use both halves of the toaster, or do you just make a single waffle at a time? I always make two to four because we have the four slot toaster. We may have Let our disagreements here on food, comments? but we won't judge. <laughs> Too hard. Well, no, I just, just thinking about it, like, I don't, there's nothing to judge. Like, if you just want one waffle, just make one waffle. But I've never actually seen someone only use one side. Now, maybe it's because I'm chubby. I come from a chubby family. We're, we're chubsters. We enjoy food. So like I'm not going to say no to a second waffle. Yeah. I'm like two waffles yeah, so is maybe... like a nice stack. And you can, you, know, you put your syrup on there. You like get your little tower and everything. Like it's... Depending on how hungry I am, I will make four. That's I will make four waffles. Now that's, that's when I'm hungry. Okay. But what about taking your waffles and making that sandwich with the waffles instead of bagel? No. Well, I eat blueberry bagels, so me thinking blueberries with fried egg and bacon, yeah. I mean, a little bit of sweetness with the with the savory. Mm. Might not be. Too I don't. Uh, blueberries do blueberries in that? No, 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 no. And like, I specifically like blueberry egos versus plain egos. Like, I'll eat plain egos, but they're not like for me. It's the blueberry or the chocolate chip. You gotta have the blueberry or chocolate chips. Or fair enough. I like peanut butter chip. Yeah, but. Ooh, that's good. Actually, one of my favorite things. So I started eating this one time. I was, I got like a really bad stomach bug or something like that. And someone was like, a really good thing to eat. Um, it's gentle on your stomach, but yummy is peanut butter and banana toast. And so, oh, it's nice because like it, it has nutrients, it has proteins and stuff like that, but it's, it's much gentler on your stomach than like a lot of other food. Like yeah. if you're really, really like you'll start out with like soup, like right when you're sick and right after soup. And then as you're kind of working your way back to real food, it's like that second step is peanut butter and banana toast. Well, I love peanut butter and banana toast sandwiches. So like I toast two pieces of bread mm -hmm. and I put my peanut butter on there and then I slice up a nanner and then I put it together and then I have the most delicious sandwich you will ever have. And it makes me think about Elvis used to eat fried peanut butter and banana sandwiches and I kind of wonder, but I usually used to use toast instead of fried. I think of fried is probably just putting the sandwich together and then throwing it in a pan with some butter. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if they actually yeah, like mean like a grilled cheese yeah. esque. Yeah. I don't know if they yeah, actually yeah, yeah, mean yeah. like deep fried. I wouldn't think that would work. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can deep fry an Oreo. You can probably deep fry a peanut butter and banana sandwich. I've got to test this. You can deep fry a stick of butter. Like, you can deep fry anything. I, listen, I, I like experiments in the kitchen, so like this is perfect. I need to try this. I'm going to figure out how to batter it and everything. Um, I would look up like the batter for deep fried Oreos or something like that, and then I think it's just funnel cake batter. Is it? It's not, like but with peanut thought... butter is peanut butter. When you get it hot, it turns into a liquid almost. So like you would have yeah. to freeze it. 
You have to do like yeah. some steps of freezing so that way you can like flash fry it. So like as soon as you stick it in there, it's you yeah. got crust around it. Yeah. Well, I mean, butter melts immediately, and you can deep fry butter. I guess we gotta try. So deep I think as long as like because that, that one. Yeah, like me. you just have to get the the coating on it and get it sealed, and then drop it in the um the 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 hot oil and then that creates a seal around it and then you'll have the gooey peanut butter and it'll probably liquefy the bananas too but you'll have like all that goo in there i'm to i'm to put that on the patreon today on cracko fries <laughs> today on cracko burns down his house trying to make a uh, fried peanut butter and banana sandwich basically <laughs> the whole patreon tier is just me frying different foods and whether or not it works. I'd pay to watch you hurt yourself with frying oil. Um, I mean, it's happened a lot. Uh, so back to the story. <laughs> We're going to get back yes, to the story. story. Uh, we haven't even gotten into the crazy stuff. Oh, no. Well, okay. So this this is... As they are investigating... They find his Amazon account and start reading his reviews. Oh, no. And one of the names that he got was the Amazon Review Killer. But I, it didn't really stick. Like, yeah, if, when I hear stuff about him, I don't hear about the Amazon Review Killer. I think I hear about Todd Kohlhepp. Yeah. It just hits the ear wrong. It does. It's weird. So one example of this, on a folding shovel... He said, and I quote, Keep it in your car for when you have to hide the bodies and you left the full-size shovel at home. Now, you see, take out a con like take that out of context and you remove all the creepy stuff. That's kind of funny. Exactly. So many people leave funny Amazon reviews, so it went under the radar. Oh, God, now that makes me think. How many funny Amazon reviews have I seen that they were being 100% serious? Oh, God. I didn't even oh, no. think about that. Oh, my God. Think about any time you read a review on something where it's like, I don't know, like, like I don't know if you can buy fireworks on Amazon, but this is just the first thing that popped into my head was just like, for example, or, or a kitchen knife. Just mm -hmm. like, yeah. My my uh, my neighbor it worked really well on my neighbor who's been a little annoying. Yeah. Oh God. Oh. And like that might come across as a joke, but they could have been serious. Yeah. Oh, that's terrifying. Ah. I'm not looking at Amazon reviews anymore. Yeah. Well, he left quite a few, but that that's the one that kind of stuck out to me. So he's in custody. There, I mean, there's obviously a ton of evidence that he kidnapped and killed people on his property. But he then makes a deal. And in exchange for the ability to reconnect with his mother and a couple other things, he wanted to give some money to a friend for their kid for college and a bunch of stuff. But the big thing was to be able to talk to his mom. Kolheb confessed to a cold case that had haunted the region for 13 years. Before this, they had nothing. And all of a sudden, they get a full confession with details that were not made public. Yeah, bringing up details like that, yeah, that's a, that's a way to tell that they did it. So in 2003... Um, I'll remind you, this all took place in 2016 when he was arrested, etc. So in 2003, he purchased a motorcycle from Superbike Motorsports in Chesney, South Carolina. The 2003 Suzuki GSX-R750 was not a good beginner bike. It was too powerful. It was... Uh, I don't know... Is it, is it a sport bike? Um... My brother calls them crotch rockets, and that's all I can ever think of it. But you know the the ones where you lean down real close and they go real fast? Yeah. I think that's a sport bike. Yeah, I would consider it like a sport bike. Yeah, so yeah. Chris... is the ones that are made to go fast. Yes. Chris has a cruiser, so um, 
you know, not a Harley, but that style with, you know, where it's like, you know, the big bars and the loud engine and stuff like He has a, yeah. a Yamaha Bolt, I think. It's blue. That's what I know. Uh, yeah, and I've seen the, the sport bikes around here where uh, they almost look alien because they have like this weird exotic body shape to them. And then the people that ride them almost look like they're laying completely on their stomach with their legs straight back behind them. Like, oh, that's so crazy. It's like that can't be comfortable. Yeah, well, knowing Chris has a motorcycle, I asked him what he knew. So he doesn't ride sport bikes. He likes, the, like I said, he likes the cruisers. He likes to go on back roads and, you know, feel the yeah, wind. If I'm going to get one like that, I'm not going to get something like that. Like, Yeah. Well, he said that the, the 750 is a big bike. Uh, so a lot of times beginners will start on a much less powerful motorcycle because you're learning to ride it. Um, mm -hmm. But... Cole Hep felt this bike was too much, and he returned to the store to talk about either trading it in or selling it back. Uh, he says that the employees were very rude and made fun of him. So then a few weeks later, the motorcycle got stolen from the front of his apartment building, and he believed that the shop took it. He told police that they said comments like, it's on its way to Florida and stuff like that. But this is just his account. Uh, there was no proof of yeah. this. Yeah, looking looking at that bike, yeah, that I can look at it until it goes fast. Yeah, it's it's a vroom vroom. Yeah. That's not a beginner bike. No, it is not. No, it is not. Um additionally, I know it's not so it varies from state to state, but like in Pennsylvania, you like you can get your motorcycle license, but you you aren't required to take a class. But there are optional classes. Like Chris told me, because he's he loves his motorcycle. I am not. I guess I should tell you, I'm not allowed on the motorcycle anymore. I had a panic attack on the motorcycle one time, and now because that is extraordinarily dangerous, and I completely agree. But I'm not allowed on the motorcycle anymore. I mean, no offense, but yeah, you probably shouldn't be allowed on a motorcycle. Yeah, yeah, we we almost probably died because I had a panic attack while we were on the road. Anyway, besides the point. And, you know, with the whole, the issue with the static grass applicator, you, you know, that's probably... You had to bring that up, didn't you? Actually, I don't know if I told you. <laughs> I shocked myself twice the other day. Because I didn't realize it was turned on, and then the little dangly thingy that you're supposed to put on the ground hit my leg, and next thing you know, I'm, like, halfway electrocuted. Anyway, um... <clears throat> That's how that works. That's how you use those. Yeah, and I did a practice application, and it didn't... <laughs> it wasn't connected right, so all the grass just fell flat. Anyway, um... <clears throat> Had a lot of wind lately. <laughs> I am good at these things. Same. Better than I am. Um, after the motorcycle was stolen and he went back and he now believed that they took it, Cole Hep proceeded to purchase a Beretta 92FS 9mm handgun. And uh, he apparently liked shoulder holsters, so he had it in a shoulder holster underneath something so it wasn't visible. And he went to the store. He said that he waited until no other customers were there because he didn't want to hurt anybody else. But once all four of the employees he was disgruntled with were present and there were no other uh, customers, he told them that he was going to purchase a particular bike. You know, he was sitting on them and kind of going through and he was like, you know... I got the insurance settlement, so I want to get another bike, and I want to get a different one. Um, and once he told him which one he was going to purchase, the mechanic, who, which was 26-year-old Chris Sherbert, took the bike to the back to get it ready, to take it home. And at this point, Colehep went into the back, and while Chris was down working on the bike... Colehep pulled out the gun and shot the mechanic two to three times. He then told police that 
he noticed they were quote-unquote lung shots. I don't know if that's a technical term or just his way of saying he knows he got him in the lungs and he was dead. I mean, you would know because there would be a vacuum sound. Really? Yeah. From your lungs trying to inflate and there's a hole, it makes like a sucking sound. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, he said he knew that Chris was not going to be getting back up. So at that point, he returned towards the front to find that the others heard the gunshots and were coming to see what had happened. And at that point, the 52-year-old bookkeeper and mother of the store's owner, um, Beverly Guy, was shot multiple times in the chest. And the other two employees started to run. So at this point, he shot service manager 29-year-old Brian Lucas in the back and apparently he kind of like slumped against one of the front doors and the owner 30-year-old Scott Ponder was able to make it out the front door but Cole Hep shot him in the head in the parking lot and at that point he just put the safety on the gun got in his car and drove away it's like it was just a normal day at the shop. Cole had bragged to the investigators that he killed all four people in less than a minute. He bragged about it. On one hand, that's not something you should brag about. But on the other hand, that is fast. It It, it is fast and horrifying that you can take four lives in less than a minute. I know. Yeah. Also, I feel like I need to clarify that I only know the the lung thing from like documentaries and movies and stuff like that. I don't know that from experience. I should hope I realized that sounded a little suspicious. I didn't even think of that. I'm just so, like, used to you. I was like... Yeah, it took me a minute, and I was just like, wait a minute, that sounds like I know from experience. Wait a minute, let me clear that up. I don't know from experience, but from what I've heard of people who do know from experience, like military, law enforcement, mm -hmm. whatever, that, that's, that it does make that sound. Thank you for the clarification. I don't want to hear it, but... <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, so, I had said this case was cold for 13 years. And the reason is because he left no evidence. When he, he said that he loads all of his magazines with latex gloves. So there are never fingerprints on his bullets. And while he was in the store, he made sure not to touch anything. Um, well, I guess it was mostly doors and stuff like that, because as a customer, touching the products, you know, oh, I was just a customer. I was looking at the bike. But he made sure not yeah, to touch course, door handles yeah. and things like that. Um, but he probably didn't touch anything, if that's the case, because I'm sure they would look at, like, if, if they didn't have any suspects, I'm, I imagine that if they got any fingerprints at all, they would question the customers mm -hmm. that had been in that day. Oh, that's a good, I would think. that's a good point. That's a very good point. It's like, you were in this store at this time when all of this happened. We need to double check and make sure it wasn't you. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know how that works. I don't know how that works either, because I do know... Um, Especially in a situation like that, where it's like a, a store or a public place, you get so many fingerprints on things that you can't discern any of them. You know, it's just like white yeah, noise. Yeah, you might get like one or two, but yeah. like you're not really going to get much of anything. Yeah, so I don't know if it was that he didn't leave his prints or that they weren't able to pick any up. But... Um, if he's not touching doors and he's using gloves for the bullets and everything, he probably knew exactly what he was doing and yeah. didn't touch a thing. Yeah, because they, um, you know, they, they got shell casings. They got all kinds of stuff like that. But because there were no fingerprints and they didn't have a weapon because he took it with him, they weren't able to. That's the interesting thing is that they got the shell casings like nowadays. Like, I, I know this wasn't that long ago, but like. They, they can test the casings to figure out what kind of gun it came from and then figure out where the gun is. R true. Well, I did. I didn't completely understand this part, but he said it had multiple barrels and he he was like rambling about something because there is 
this interview is actually, you can watch this interview. Um, and he was rambling about how he wasn't sure which barrel he had on the gun and when he put it on the gun and which one he switched it out for and everything like that. Because I guess at some point they did test the gun and it didn't match the, the shell casings because it was a different barrel. What that probably means is, yeah, he just bought another barrel and swapped out the one he used. So that way, when they check the gun, it's like, oh, this barrel doesn't have the same markings because mm -hmm. he took that barrel off. Well, and it had three barrels. I'm like, oh. Yeah, okay. so that just means he had one barrel in the gun and then he just had two just laying around that he could swap them around. Yeah. Yeah. Like I like I said, I was I wasn't really I don't know a lot about guns. I'm yeah. not a gun person. Um, I had an incident, so I... I'm sorry, what? Oh, yeah, the incident. Okay, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, I I think I told you about this when I was... It, yeah, that one you told me. Yeah, yeah, I was... I was, uh... I guess a victim in a robbery, but not a victim, like, I wasn't hurt. But, um, yeah. I was a meat shield, apparently. Yeah, that, that, that don't sound like fun. Yeah, imagine being 16 and having someone drag you through uh, a KFC with a gun in your back. That's not... Yeah, I wouldn't be too happy about that. And I wonder why I have so many problems. Hmm. I wonder. Maybe that explains why I'm friends with weirdos. Like you, haha. <laughs> um, anyway, sorry. Um, wow. So... <laughs> so... At this point, they now had his confession. They had the details. They had evidence. They, you know, everything was, it was pretty much ironclad. Uh, Cole had made a deal. So if he pled guilty to the seven murders, which was the four at Superbike and the three found on his property, he could escape the death penalty. Uh, he is currently serving seven consecutive life sentences with no possibility of parole at the Lieber Correctional Institution in Ridgeville, South Carolina. Fair enough. And in August of 2020, uh, some of his belongings, like a sports car and other stuff, were auctioned off and the money was used to pay judgments against him, including what is owed to families of the victims. Um... I guess they've done multiple auctions like this to raise money um, and things like that. But yeah. So two things from that. Um, I don't know how I would feel about buying a car from someone who's a serial killer. There are people who specifically look after stuff. Like, I mean, there are people who... I mean, you have a point. Yeah, like, look at all of the, the serial killers and famous murderers and stuff like that who... Uh, get into art when they're in prison and people will buy their art like John Wayne Gacy people buy his creepy clown art yeah okay you have a point uh, the second one is how would you feel if you looked on the news and saw that your realtor the person who sold you your house was a serial killer I would move like I don't want this house anymore although I will say I don't remember what our realtor's name was <laughs> I mean, we've lived in this house for like 10, 11 years or something like that. So maybe they're just really good at it. Yeah. But like if if I saw a news story with like, oh, this realtor, Jim Bob Juby Jabbar is a serial killer. I would be like. Serial killer. Wow. I, I would not. It would not click. And also our realtor was yeah. a woman. So. It is far less likely. It is not impossible, but it's far less likely to have a female serial killer. Yeah, you gotta you gotta watch out for old Jim Bob Juby Jabber. Yeah, I hear he's a bad one. <laughs> yeah. Terrifying. I hope there's nobody out there named Jim Bob Juby Jabber who's like, I'm not a serial killer. Someone's gonna be listening to this and we're gonna get a message saying yes. My name is Jim Bob Juba Jabber, and I am offended. I'm suing for defamation. <laughs> now I feel bad. Anyway, that's the story. Or, or it could be his cousin, Jim Bob Jassachusetts. Well, anyway, that is the this week's story. And um, 
Like I said, he is luckily locked away for seven consecutive life sentences. Good. As he should be. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, you can check us out on TikTok? Yeah. Uh, we should be getting more things put out there. So. Anyway, so we, again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. And thank we you will. Thank you for the story. You're welcome. And we'll talk to you guys next week. As always, make sure to check out our website for all of the show notes, sources, and more information at thesquonkandthehag.com. And we would also love and appreciate your support by either leaving a review on iTunes or through small monthly donations using the viewer support link in the description. And if you don't subscribe, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast network to get notified of new episodes every Thursday. All right, Krakow, you ready? Okay, bye.